Hello. Do you go by Gabe or Gabriel? I wasn't sure. I have a lot of aliases. I'm Gabe, Gabriel, I'm Gift Daddy, I'm Orlando's Gift Daddy, and also 3D Daddy. So however the audience I'm, feels most comfortable. I, <laughs> I am Cape Coral's Gift Daddy, unless Gabe Lugo is in town. That's right, uh, because I do the gifts and we are a photography mafia and we're here to gatekeep. So you young photographers yes. out there, just remember your place. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't care. I wish more people did it, honestly, because I also am part of a band. So anytime I want to hire someone, I'm like, do you do you know how to do gifts? And if they, <laughs> if they don't, I'm like, well, I can teach you. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. I love that mindset. That actually makes me think. I th think I saw you at the first big show I did. You work with Lost Trees a bit, right? I do. I did. And I do. <laughs> so uh, I was at their show opening for Kane Hill last June. Was that Were in... you there? I think you were. Okay, so was it in Tampa? Was it Orpheum? It was at the Abbey. Oh. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, most likely. I've done a few shows of Lost Trees at Orpheum, or at, uh, at the Abbey, so I must have been there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go yeah, to my one drive I, I right now like... and check the date. Because <laughs> I, I was like, man, I'm so hyped for these photos because, like, I'm uh, I'm kind of friends with Johnny. I'm more so friends with Roxy, his uh, his wife, and mm -hmm. their sort of friend group somewhat. So that's how I got that. And I was like so hype about my pictures. And then I saw yours of the same set. And I was like, oh, shit. But this was like two months after I started. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, my my photography has. I get very experimental with it. I used to get really frustrated, actually. When I first started, all I would do is shoot in black and white. And this was, you know, at least six years ago um, when I first started. Uh, I actually, you know, I actually kind of hated shooting shows because of how hard it was. <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot, one of the things with show photography itself is you don't realize how gear dependent it can be. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, I I honestly see a lot of discourse about, oh, your gear doesn't matter. You know, it like if you take good pictures, they'll be good pictures. And I'm just like, nah, I mean, like, obviously, if you're a gifted artist, that will shine through no matter what the medium is. But there are such things as technological limitations, especially when you're dealing with low light. That is the interesting part of photography and also the most tragic because if you are an artsy person and you like really going into your edits and making them look crazy it gear still matters because if you have a lens that's not bright enough your pictures can only take you so far uh that is also pertinent to the camera itself because if you have an older camera the sensor technology might not be quite as advanced, so low light pictures are gonna struggle a little more. Now, if you're taking dirty photos and you like having noise and, and going crazy, 
that can actually all, sometimes be a boon. But that's not always the case. Sometimes you just get a really gross looking photo and you're like, what is this? This, <laughs> this doesn't feel good. Uh, when I first started shooting, I actually didn't even have a camera. I, I would shoot on like my iPhone 6. And I, I had a couple of moment lenses. But I was, I was having fun. I was going ham. I'd get in front of bands and be like, hey, I'm the photographer. <laughs> With this tiny oh, little yeah. fucking lens on my, on my moment cam- or uh, on my iPhone 6 taking like crazy weird photos. And I think, I think, you know, subconsciously that might have led into how I eventually developed my style and, and all that stuff. Yeah, it is a truly unique style. I mean, I feel like a lot of photographers work kind of blends in, but you see certain photographers who have really made their work their own. Like if I see one of your photos, I'm not going to think that's anybody else, which I intend as a compliment because I I think you just way of seeing editing than everybody else. And I think that's really cool. I appreciate that, and I, I like—I definitely like messing with a lot of layering and stuff. I don't know how accessible that workflow has really, because a lot of people I'll talk to, you know, most most photographers are working, let's say, Lightroom, and if they get involved, it's Photoshop, and so I don't use either of those. <laughs> I use uh, oh really? No, not at all. Uh, I've always hated, you know, growing up when you're in college and you're broke, you don't really have a lot of money. So you look at Lightroom and you're like, oh, this costs me this much money per month. No, it doesn't. I'm going to look somewhere else. And I always struggled trying to find alternatives, but eventually I settled on Capture One. Uh, Capture One, which is ironic because I, I buy the perpetual license now so that I don't have to worry about updates. But when I first found it i liked it because you spend a hundred bucks on their on their permanent license for for you know whatever version that you buy and then you never have to worry about it again and in photography not having to pay for things is such a blessing (laughs) you know what i mean yeah i get that for sure i mean i've been kind of lucky to where um because i'm i'm perpetually a college student I just can't find a way to graduate ever. Uh, so I, I got the student discount where I get like just Photoshop and Lightroom and one terabyte of cloud storage for like 20 bucks a month, which like I, I can get where you're coming from, too, because like that's 20 month dollars a month I could use towards other expenses. But, you know, it is worth it to me, but it is cool to see somebody else with a bit of a different workflow for sure. Yeah, and I've I've asked people before, like, I don't know, I've I've had questions. People ask me like, how do you do this? And I show them how I do it in Capture One, and it doesn't. I guess it doesn't translate one for one with Lightroom. I guess. Uh, so I'm kind of happy, and I guess I I might even be I might even say lucky to have landed on Capture One because it did lead to kind of me letting letting me experiment with my workflow and getting better you know, learning how to do all this stuff. And it was definitely not something I had to worry about, even if, you know, $20 a month isn't really that bad. Uh, But you can easily spend, let's say, like $50 a month, and that's a different story. So for me, spending 
spending a hundred bucks, maybe 150 one time for potentially years is much more attractive than let's say $20 a month. Even though if you think about it, it kind of works out more or less very similarly, especially if you plan on upgrading, but you know, I never plan on upgrading. I, I always figured I would always have this license and I, I, I have my, my shit and everything's cool. Uh, but the, you know, the more, the more you take photography as a job and the more seriously you, the more effort you put into it, the more, the more speed matters. So I found myself upgrading a lot of stuff, you know, whether it's my laptop, my cameras, my lenses, uh, my licenses, online storage, it, it all factors into, weirdly enough, the professionalism of it all. <laughs> Dude, I can already tell this could be a long episode, but I don't mind. I'm excited. As long as you don't have anywhere to be within the next five hours, we good, champ. I'm actually, so I'm actually, uh, on my main computer right now, I am dumping like two terabytes of data. So I have all day. <laughs> awesome. Uh, at least it's a few hours. Take, it's not going to take five hours, but I also have to leave at like one because I'm a, I'm shooting the Melkor Dropouts show with uh, Prada and Fit for a King tonight. Right on. And I got an Airbnb and shit because I live in Cape Coral where no shows ever go, ever. I understand. That's crazy, dude. You you got a whole Airbnb for, for that show? Uh, I actually, so tomorrow I'm doing a studio shoot for a band that I work with frequently. And then Friday I'm doing a show in Lakeland. So I just, it's almost like a mini work vacation. Oh, okay. I still I still come out ahead at the end, so I don't really mind. That's good. That's good. Yeah. No, I I and on that note, honestly, comfort is such a big deal when it comes to being on the road. Uh, oh yeah. It's always it's always worth spending money to feel comfortable because you don't want to burn out. Um, and I have a story about that. <laughs> I have a lot of yeah. stories. Actually. I don't know. I don't know if you, dude. You, I want to hear know, all of them. I can be but, here. But... We might have to do multiple like, different sessions, you know, but yeah. yeah, we can do multiple parts. I plan on doing this for a while. Um, but anyway, I uh, before your story, like when I first started, like I'm sure it was similar to you. Like once you start receiving especially paid work, you'll literally do anything in exchange, like drive hours and hours and just do crazy shit for it. So, like, I was driving up to Holiday, Florida, which is, like, way north Tampa, which you probably know already since I think you might be from here. But, um, yeah, it's, like, a four-hour drive for me, and I would drive back the same night. Mm. And eventually I was like, dude, I got to charge more because I can't, I can't do that shit, especially when I'm taking a few hours to edit right afterwards. Like, wow, that's that's kind of my was my eye opening moment. And I kind of stopped driving to Orlando as much, too, because that's just a shitty drive. So I actually actually I I, so, yeah, I am from Orlando, but I make the drive to Tampa like every week just to shoot a band here and there. Um, And I'm pretty numb at this point to two hours, but I did drive to Atlanta once like same day back and forth oh Uh, (laughs) because i i had a gig uh i had a what was it it was an emo night gig that i was going up there for 
And I don't know why. I just felt like I wanted to come home the same day. And I think that was, I don't know, I think it's six hours from me to there and then six hours back. So that, that half that day, you know, 12-hour drive. And then I got home and then I woke up the next day and I was like, why did I do that? <laughs> it was it was insane. I, but the silver lining is I got to stop at Bucky's, and that's always oh, worth, sick. That's always worth twelve hours of yeah. driving. We're gonna get one soon well, in in Orlando, I think. <laughs> yeah, I um, I it's a really weird. So I had a couple of thoughts. So one, they really do not make it easy to get out of Florida, like. Um, I'm going up to Fayetteville, Arkansas with Burn Absolute in, next month, and it's going to be like a 12, 15 hour drive just to get to Northwest Arkansas because we're leaving from Tampa. And that's mm-hmm. just fucking insane to me. But um, it is kind of a weird thing, though. I don't know if it's just like a people have to travel a lot for work. But man, even when I have an Airbnb, there is part of me that's like, I kind of just want to go home tonight. Because there's something about like working within your own space and sleeping in your own bed and stuff. I feel like it is it is a blessing and a curse because I know when I'm home, I'm very lazy. <laughs> uh, well, not lazy, but I have too many other things I can do. So sometimes I really do have to like put myself in the mindset of okay. We're going to get this work done. We're going to get the the same day turnaround. No worries. I got you. Don't worry, guys. But then other days, I'm just like, uh, they can wait. <laughs> and I always ask bands like, hey, do you guys need a, a one day turnaround? Because it's, I found that for me, it's very important that I ask that because if they say, no, nah, it's cool, I know I, I can be a little more relaxed and I don't feel rushed. Alternatively, when I am on the road, I am the fucking Terminator when it comes to content. All right, so let me let me tell you. I'm the same way, yeah. (laughs) But I'll let you get to it. So I just got I just did two weeks with Ginger. Uh, We were doing a Canada run, and I've gotten my workflow down like fucking Thanos snapping. You know what I mean? So. On this drive, every after every show, I would do, let's say, minimum. I always ended up with like at least ninety photos, and then I would do around thirty gifts, and oh then whatever, whatever, whatever video content I end up with. Um, I've been trying to get more into doing clips in between gifts because uh, I've been kind of mixing them together. So. On top of all that, the next day I would I would um I would always get at least the photos done because it's it's much less strenuous getting photos exported than it is like gifts and videos. The 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 data rates just become exponentially bigger at, when you travel outside of the realm of photos. And that's really the biggest time sink. Um so just for reference, I for this for this uh run I bought a brand new laptop because I knew like my old one wasn't going to cut it anymore. Um, and this one has uh, 32 gigs of, of RAM, which I want to upgrade to like 64 at least. And then it has a, the latest 4090 laptop GPU. Uh, Holy Nvidia shit. GPU. 
and then the latest that's gonna kill know. it at video dude oh but dude like i still struggle with with 4k like you the i think the some theory. of it might be cpu bound though it i but honestly, I think 4K video is just a bitch to 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 render regardless of what you have. It's just how much less of a bitch it is. Well, I guess I would say it's 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 just not seamless. So my the laptop is it was the highest spec I could possibly find. And it's still like video work is still tricky to kind of make it work quickly. Um, so I'm still learning my way around DaVinci and, and trying to not only optimize my workflow, but, you know, do cool shit at the same time. And it reminds me of a lot of my early days with dealing with Capture One, because when you start developing your style, it is, it is like 90% frustration. <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember being on my first tour with, with Zeta. Uh, this band called Zeta, who is super hardcore when it comes to touring, and the venues we were playing at, they're they're you know like medium small size venues that are two hundred to four hundred cap, and the lighting is generally just it's a shit show. You don't you never know when it's gonna be good or not. <laughs> uh, but I remember because of that on that tour, it was really when I started just saying fuck it, let me do this weird thing or this weird thing. And and then after that, it was when I really started feeling like, okay, I got a good handle on this. And then, and then I did something with, with my, with my program and I lost all of my like presets. <laughs> oh, damn. That's like, like I think that's like a good thing about, like using Lightroom with the Creative Cloud is that I can fuck up as much as I want and my presets are still going to be there. Because, man, yeah. if I lost all my presets, I have like 80 of them that I've mm. just made from trial and error. I think I would just die. Well, dude, I I have a very strange... By preset, I have a very strange like definition of it because Capture One has a presets window where you have, you know, you have your combination of exposure edits and, and whatever you do to it. And when I first started, I had a bunch of those as well. I rarely use them anymore because my workflow is very strange now. So with these weird edits, I'm using a lot of masks. So Capture One lets you, it has functionality that you're allowed to do like cloning masks and healing masks and things like that. And so... Unfortunately, you can't save those masks into presets. So my way around that is I would grab photos that I thought, oh, this is a cool edit, and I would put it in a separate folder. And so I use that photo as my preset. So I will copy and paste that photo, at least the edits, onto different ones and then see how it comes out. And so all those photos, eventually, they just start developing into each other eventually you you every time you copy and paste it you change this you change that and it becomes its own thing and eventually you end up with these really cool i don't know conglomerates of edits and all of a sudden you have a whole new preset that you're like this fucks this is cool but yeah it is all it is all stored as a 
as a combination of layers. So oh. it, w- within the within the hierarchy of the program, the way it stores it isn't a preset where I just go, this is my like colorful preset. This is my uh I don't know, some crazy shit preset. Uh no, I have to store the photo in a folder and then every time I want to use that preset, I have to copy and paste the edit. <laughs> Does oh. that make sense? Yeah, that's interesting. I've never really thought of a preset in that definition. That's really cool. Right. It 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 would be I would love to save it as like a a text that I can click on, but unfortunately layers just aren't saved. So my workflow is consists of like anywhere for, I, I usually keep around like a hundred to two hundred presets, depending on like it's it's constantly changing. But it's it is within one uh, it is within one session. So, if I delete that session, <laughs> I lose all of that, <laughs> which is very scary. Oh and yeah. I, I learned I learned my lesson after that 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 Zeta one, because I I back up my session now, but that comes with its own problems because the more you copy and paste the edits the more layers you save. And so eventually, every time you copy and paste, that's treated as new information. So you end up with this ever ballooning uh, folder that is your catalog. And at one point, I remember I had like 200 gigs in this catalog, but I didn't have 200 gigs worth of photos. It's just a bunch of information that that the program stores and the the programmers at capture one unfortunately didn't anticipate my shenanigans so they didn't have a way to clean clean up all of the unused edits that I, when i delete you know when i delete photos technically the edits should go away but for whatever reason capture one keeps them in the folder so <laughs> I've, I've had to very slowly uh go through my edits and figure out which ones are being used and which ones aren't and that's for 200 gigs worth of data <laughs> so so backing backing it up is its own like workflow issue <laughs> yeah. uh, oh. the, the, the things we do to deal with freaking information I, I wish i had unlimited like terabytes of storage because none of this would matter if if i just had i don't know 25 terabytes of storage (laughs) you know yeah i get that and there are people with that out there it's just usually they're like creepy people but uh (laughs) yeah i actually had a similar story i want to be creepy (laughs) if it means like i don't have to worry about data management (laughs) yeah i uh so um when i was on tour with burn absolute i i i was kind of similar to you like with ginger i had a shit ton of pics, a shit ton of footage. Um, not any gifts yet. I hadn't gone to the gay blue ghost school of giffery yet, but I had all my shit exported. I got like five hours of sleep total the first three nights. Um, just from just from being in the van because we didn't get hotels or anything. We yeah. just slept at Love's gas stations and all that. But yeah, um, not long after I got home from that tour and to preface, everything was already on drive um, and they had the photos and everything. But I guess some kind of update went through 
and it reset my Lightroom library. And mm. I guess the pictures I took from that tour were not synced to the Creative Cloud. So I don't have any of the RAWs from my from like my second tour ever. They're just all on drive. Do you save? Do you save your RAWs? I have a portable SSD with like two terabytes that I've been meaning to do it on. It's just I'm so like once I'm done with my photos, I just immediately close my eyes and I'm like, oh, I'll get to it at this point. And then I just kind of never do. Yeah, I have a whole. So I, I did uh, Holly Glenn and. You know, Holly Glenn, the band, you know, with Nathan. Yeah. And, and the homies. So so quick aside. When yes. I started out doing pictures, I, and you might hate me for this, I found <laughs> prominent area photographers, and I looked to see which bands they shot, yeah. so I know which bands hire photographers. That's fair. <laughs> so that's how I met Discord Theory and Holly Glenn, is because yeah. I went to Gabe Lugo Photos, Yeah, <laughs> and I stole your money. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for making me broke. <laughs> yes you're welcome no i mean the truth is like and i know it's a touchy subject because unfortunately being a photographer and being a fan band photographer means you are one person and it's not a community at least it doesn't always feel like a community and you don't know that like most photographers are chill most people are in the same boat as you are where it's like what the fuck are we doing like who do we look up to and I wish that when I was doing this, I I had somebody like that, you know? And I kind of did, you know, in Montgomery Drive. You know, M Marshall from Montgomery Drive has been a huge mentor slash friend slash just industry how-to how guide for me. You know what I mean? But the truth is, as a photographer, it's it can get scary. Like, you don't, you don't know when you're feel like you're overstepping and i know you don't intentionally want to do those things but you you have the thought of like oh am i like taking someone's work am i doing this am i doing that is this a competition and it hurts because we don't want it to be a competition we all have value to give to bands uh, whether that means you're doing this show or that show it it doesn't matter i i, I like to think of it as like this shit's hard enough uh, I, I know when I was first starting out and I, I had my own imposter syndrome, I felt the same way. I didn't want to like step on this person's band or, or, oh, they, this is their photographer. Um, am I like in your way? Like <laughs> it sucks. And you know what? Um, Jer from Scott to network. I remember seeing a Twitter post about how they think there's room here to unionize. And I think that would be an amazing thing if somehow we were able to take all of these individual photographers, especially at the local level, but even people that are national um, can can come in and, and we kind of have some some semblance of organization so that when you're a kid and you're getting into it, it doesn't feel like this world that's out to get you. Because I know I've had that feeling before, but I guess 
um, just being an experienced member of the community, I feel more confident in delegating, you know, advice, but also I understand that mindset at the beginning and I can look at it from the, from, from where I am now and be like, that sucks. Somebody should change that. <laughs> um, yeah. I, but to get- I completely, oh, sorry. You're good. You're good. Go ahead. Go ahead. I completely agree. Um, I think that's that's one thing. Like, I also had mentors when I started. Um, Jeremy Messmore shoots a lot of shows in Chicago, and I don't know how I came across his work, but I did, and he kind of helped teach me the ropes of what to expect. And I asked um, Johnny Costa from, like, Monster Flames for advice and stuff, and things like that kind of made me feel a little less alone. And, you know, I, I was definitely worried about stepping on people's toes, especially at first, even yours. Cause I was like, Oh, that's lost trees photographer. He's on side stage. I probably shouldn't go up there and stuff like that. And there, and then Johnny from lost trees was like, why didn't you get like pics from behind the band? And I was like, Oh, I didn't want to step. He's like, who cares? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it is kind of strange. And it's one thing that like, I'm really glad I have met people like Lewis from Discord Theories because like he, for example, never makes it feel like I'm stealing somebody else's work instead of saying um, like, hey, I think you'd be like, let's say cheaper than Gabe or cheaper than Rain uh, Media. I never know know which name to say for them, but um um lorraine um but um yeah like they never make me feel like i'm undercutting someone he just kind of says it in the way like hey we think you're the best fit for this kind of show and i think that's kind of the way we need to see it like not necessarily oh i'm cheaper than or i'm better than or i'm more expensive than it's like how much of a fit are you to the band the show the style they're looking for it's true and so whenever I hire for, for my own shows, I like having that variety. I like having different people on different shows. I think, I think what it comes down to, though, um, when you are on the road, that's when it's more of like, all right, who should we take? And me personally, I, I think there's different, let's say, there's different fits. You're absolutely correct, because some people... They are more attuned to giving you this amount of photos and this style. This person might give you footage, video footage, this and that. And so I, I, I can't say I, I have the most general perspective because I, as a creator, I like getting involved. I like collabing a lot. So if you look at a lot of my posts on Instagram, on my, on my Sky Navy, which is uh, my band, uh, if you look at the posts that I do on there, I have like four or five different photographers and I always put it, I always put those works together because I like mixing things up and, and using photos. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's very collaborative. I, I, I think of it that way more than this and that, but it always feels that way at the beginning. It always feels that way. Cause you don't have the perspective that this is a community. It just feels more of like dog eat dog. And as a photographer, as a photographer, that's what you look at it as, as there's one person for the job. And once that slot is filled, it's gone. 
Whereas the band's looking at it, it's like, hell yeah, let's get this guy on it. Let's get this guy. The more, the merrier, as long as the budget's there for it. So it's never, I, I don't think it's ever a case with, with bands, especially at a local level. Um, it's either going to be, hey, we don't really have the money to hire everybody. Or it's, hey, let's get everybody on board. Because <laughs> uh, I love having different options and I love putting it all together. I, I have a very DIY mindset when it comes to these things. And a big part of DIY is how can everybody collaborate? How can we contribute to making something really cool? <laughs> yeah. So I, if, if I want to tell anybody starting out anything, it's, it is never as cutthroat as you think it is. However, I have heard some horror stories from people, but it's always it always seems to be um it always seems to be when it's like a bigger event, let's say like a, a festival. I've I've had friends tell me like, yeah, this guy was like super like aggro towards me. Like he was like, Don't don't step here, why are you in my spot? Like stuff like that. All the all the older farts, I guess, that I don't know. It was it's a different it's a it's a different atmosphere, but at a local level, it is co collab to the max, man. Always. <laughs> yeah, it's actually crazy because literally every photographer I've met, besides maybe one or two, uh, at the local level, has been super chill and like outgoing and just wanting to make as many friends and connections as possible. And then I was shooting um, a show for 152 Productions because they have like a group of photographers they they add to the list and help facilitate stuff for. And um, I was shooting a show. I won't say which one just to keep it unspecific. And this older photographer who's kind of known-ish in the Tampa area was like, hey, just make sure you don't get on the stage. And I was like, dog, I've shot like 200 shows. The fuck you mean? Like... Yeah, that, like that was it's just like there are always going to be people that make us look bad, unfortunately. But the m good majority of people um, are collaborative and it's people that collaborate that rise to the top. So there's there's there are situations, you know, my thing is if the band gives you permission, that is that is it like it doesn't matter what anybody tells you the band gave you permission and that goes whether you know it's stage access whether it's flash photography if the band gives you permission that is all that matters now i think that that sort of thing comes up i've only ever seen that come up where it's like a, again like a festival or something and it's not clear who is delegating stage management that's when it gets a little confusing but when the band gives me access, I get the fuck up in there. <laughs> now, yeah. within reason, like you don't you don't ever want to be distracting or anything. Yeah, you, you don't want to be a distraction. So it's good to be stealthy and it's good to kind of know like find moments where it's like, you know the focus is on the singer here, so I can go to the drummer here and it's fine. It's not a big deal. But you never want to stand in front of the singer. You don't want to like, you don't want to just hover over them. If you want to get a close up, you you go in, you get your close up, and you dip. <laughs> you know, I've seen I, I cringe sometimes because I see some people kind of 
take advantage of being able to go on stage. But again, if the band doesn't care, that's all that matters. It, 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 everyone's different. Some bands will be like, yeah, just, you know, just, just uh, take your, take your time, do whatever you want. I don't care. Especially with a punk show. Cause who the fuck, who, who's going to care? It's a punk show. It's, it's part of the aesthetic. <laughs> it's, it looks good. Um, but some shows, uh, you, you want to be more stealthy. Uh, but just, if the band gives you permission, don't let an old guy tell you what to do. <laughs> yeah, basically. And like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. But Dude, I, I don't like know. You, like, I, I shot at the Abbey. I remember shooting at the Abbey. I don't know if it was that same show or not, but I had a friend uh, who had a flash. And she, she actually came up to me. She was like, Gabe, do you think we should use flash here? Is it appropriate? And I was like, listen... Flash is always weird, but if the band says, yeah, go ahead, then it, then do it. It doesn't matter. And I remember there was an older guy who was there. I, I don't know exactly what he was there for, but he was part of some publication package that one of the bands, I guess, purchased or was part of. And I remember him like yelling at her because she had a Flash. Like, like he straight up like was being super aggressive towards her. And she came up to me and she was like, bro, this guy's like yelling at me. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, that is not okay. <laughs> Why are you yelling? You got permission. You told them that the band told you it's all right, right? It's like, yeah. So I, I definitely I definitely think there's, I, I've seen those moments where some people might be a little more gatekeepy uh, in those instances. I'm just lucky and, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that at the local level it's almost never that it's almost never the case yeah yeah i mean i definitely agree i i mean honestly like um i mean the people that are doing it at the local level we're we're not really getting rich off of it per se so like it's wow, it's, it's rich <laughs> yeah uh, even the people at the touring level like if we're doing this, we do it because we enjoy it and we love doing it. It's not for, for most people, it's not for superiority reasons, but you do have those bad apples. Um, but yeah. I, um, I would love to get adopted by, by a band. That's what I call it when, when a touring band, you become their like content person. You get adopted by the band. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I, I, I would love to get adopted. But um, yeah, uh, at the local level, it's it's fine. <laughs> that that's kind of what happened to me um, with Burn Absolute. Like, they're still a new band, but they have members in like Arkansas, Bolivia, California, and one in Florida, or maybe two in Florida now. But um, so it only really makes sense for them to go on at least like five day runs. So I kind of just sort of became their guy for all their shows and all their content. Yeah. So now whenever they go on the road, I'm in the yeah. band group chat. I just go when, wherever they go. And it's yeah. really cool. It's nice. Yeah. And if you're a cool guy and or a person, whoever it may be, um, and you do good work that's that's really like 90 percent of it you know especially if you're cool on the road like that's a huge thing i mean 
people have meltdowns on the road. People have attitudes on the road or they, they just, they're reckless. They might be unhinged. Being on the road, being sane on the road is such a huge, like, soft skill that you can put on your resume. <laughs> um, that's what I've learned anyways. Yeah, definitely. And, like, I feel it kind of depends because, like, there are some situations, like, my first tour, I kind of had to be the calm and collected person. Like, um... You know, like it was a bunch of people just freaking out constantly because fucking everything went wrong. So I had to kind of be like the main constant and I kind of leveraged that into becoming a tour manager for a couple more tours. And um, but with Burn Absolute, I mean, like we're all adults and all of them are way older than me, not way older, but like late 20s, early 30s. And um I just kind of party with them, but I do what I need to do. And it just kind of depends on case by case basis, like what they're looking for. Like this next tour I'm going on, um, I'm going to be tour managing a much younger band. So it'll likely be another thing where I'm going to have to be the, the dad of the tour to kind of make sure everything goes <laughs> the way it's supposed to go. Are you also photographing? Oh, for the, this, uh, for this next tour yeah. in November, I'm just going to be tour managing. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, that's the other thing about wild. Yeah. Especially with, so with these runs doing multiple jobs, uh, I got to give a shout out to, to the homie Ellie Rogers really quick. Cause she did pool kids. Uh, she was tour managing, photographing and running merch. And that's crazy. Three jobs on one run. I, I remember doing merch and photography for Magnolia Park and it was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I had fun and it was it was cool. It was a good experience, but um I did not manage my expectations nearly as well as I do now. Uh so props to all the homies that can do multiple jobs on the road. Uh Yeah, damn. that's that's how I am with with Burn Absolute. Like on this August run I did with them, I was I was a photographer, merch person, and tour manager. So like, it was hard because they wanted a ton of behind the scenes stuff. But I'm like, well, who's gonna guard our merch in the safe box? Yeah. So like, and then I would I was also concerned about making sure the talent buyer didn't dip wherever we were at the time and just stuff like that so it's like a bunch of things you have to manage all at once it gets kind of wild but you know like the more jobs that you can do i feel like the better your opportunities are at I least totally that's what i've that. so far no absolutely i mean it is what it is it's case by case as well so if there's a run where the bands can afford to just have you do one job that makes sense i think a lot of the multiple jobs thing is just to keep uh budgets more secure yeah, but I do know at 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 a certain level, it makes way more sense to have one person to a job, uh, especially with merch. Especially with merch, you don't want to fuck with with that at all. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I've I I mean I've really only been with smaller bands, so I don't know too much about like the corporate or like you know like you know the super like high like high strung kind of vibe like it's everything we've done is pretty much very diy it's not that much different granted i haven't been on the the top top but 
it's it's all more or less very similar. You're just doing more numbers, bigger venues, um, and there's more compartmentalization to to the work. But there are still, I mean, the majority of of these bands, you see it all the time where the TM on the on that tour is also the front of house. That is, excuse me. That is the most common thing that I see is 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 the front of house person is also the tour manager. Uh, but that's not always the case. I mean, sometimes you just have one person as a tour manager. You have a front of house. Uh, you have your your merch person, and then you have the photographer. And I think for me, I'm I, I'm always going to advocate as, do the job you want to do, and if you if you're gonna do multiple jobs, manage expectations because the last thing you want to do is burn yourself out on the road, and also stress yourself out because you i mean let's say you're 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 strung out let's say you you're doing photography and merch and you feel like you're you might be slacking or you're not slacking but you feel like you might be uh overwhelmed so you don't have any time to do anything and all of a sudden you have to stay up at four in the morning every day just to keep up with both things because you're putting out a certain amount of work let's say that is unrealistic so i think Manage expectations, figure out what's important, and if you're going to do two jobs, uh, make sure you don't burn yourself out. Or three jobs. Shout out, L.A. Rogers. <laughs> yeah, um, dude. I'm, I'm really hoping that, because uh, it was just announced in January that uh, I'm going on the road with Burn Absolute, opening for For Fear Itself and Sync With Me from New York to Tennessee. And um, yeah, I really hope they bring a merch person because like, especially with it being cold as hell, I got a feeling that me trying to do three jobs would just like destroy me on like a longer run. It is not fun. And if it's a compromise, you also feel like you're you might not feel like you're being utilized correctly or you feel like you're not being compensated correctly. So. I, I don't know if it's it's always a case where it's a compromise. It might not always be the case. But I do know how it feels like to try to do multiple things when you know your heart's in one side more than the other. Um, oh, yeah. I think that's the situation to avoid. Rather than, say, like just having two jobs in general, it's more of like, where's your heart at? <laughs> is it with the band? And is the band going to help you? then it's, it might not be so bad. But yeah, you're correct in that you don't want to be dealing with merch and photos while it's like, you know, two degrees. <laughs> yeah. I remember being with Zeta uh, on the coast of, of uh, New Jersey in the middle of December. And that, I think that's the coldest, no, no, no. That is the second coldest I've ever been. Because we were also in Chicago in the middle of December. And that, to a little freaking island boy <laughs> oh my god that was that was a different like planet for me it was insane it was so freaking cold yeah i i'm originally from the midwest so like i used to be used to that kind of weather but now i'm i'm a florida boy to where like i think a few days ago is like 68 degrees and i had to wear a hoodie because of it or some shit but um yeah dude <laughs> I, I, uh, I, for, I think I, 
I forgot already. How long did you say you've been doing this? Uh, let me think. Um, I think the earliest would be maybe at least for for show photography was 2018. It would be so that's what 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 20. Yeah, like it's like five years. Five years, I guess. Maybe pandemic doesn't count because there weren't really a lot of shows. But yeah, I think I started shooting bands around 2018, and wow. I had a little Fujifilm X uh, X10 or something like a a consumer grade Fujifilm, and that was my first legit camera. And I remember when I first got it, I was like, "Holy crap, this thing is really small!" <laughs> because mirrorless cameras are tiny, and you don't you don't really have that perspective until you get your first one. So. I had that camera for the, for a while, I want to say. I, I don't think I shot too many shows with it until I upgraded. Um, I went from the XS10, I got a 35mm F2, and I was shooting a lot of my friends just doing portraits, you know? Um, I shot one of my first shows, and I hated it. I was like, oh my god. Because I didn't have a good lens. Uh, the first lens I got for that camera was the it was like one of the kit lenses that only went down to f you know 3.5 or so um so that lens was garbage for shooting shows i i (laughs) one of the first bands i shot was leaving haven yeah that one band from from orlando and i look at those pictures now and i'm like oh my god what do i do with this (laughs) i still have them i have all my old photos up on like amazon photos um, they didn't have any kind of cloud storage outside of that back then. So sh- shooting shows with a, was a nightmare. And I remember that ruined my experience for a while, but then I got that 35 F2 and I tried it again. And those photos came out a lot better. Now I still wasn't shooting in color because at the moment it, I was in that mindset where editing colors just took forever because editing a black and white, it's easy relatively to editing a bunch of colors. Um, and then I started shooting for Montgomery Drive. And yeah, it's just been uphill since then. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, hey. I I had like a similar experience. Like I started last March and um, I've taken some really good photos I feel like throughout since then. But it wasn't really until like around March this year that I don't know something clicked for me. I uh, I purchased a preset pack from Aaron Berkshire, Berkshire. I never know how to pronounce it. That big photographer dude from Jacksonville, and I don't use his presets. But when I was just playing around with it and seeing like what does this guy do, it just finally clicked for me. I yeah. found a style that works really well for me. But like looking back at like some of my shows from like January and February, like even just a couple months ago, I've just gone back through those photos in yeah. um in Lightroom and given them a new edit just to be like, hey, sorry the last ones kind of sucked. Here's some better ones. <laughs> so like That's generous. That is very generous. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm always practicing new edits on the photos that I can. I think That's it's just fair. a nice way to kind of always try to improve because you can't, 
you can't like you can always improve composition, but there's really only so much you can do with that, especially for not actively at shows at the moment. So I just feel like editing is much easier to practice at home than, you know, constantly, constantly, constantly going to shows. That's fair. I, as soon as I export a photo, it, it leaves my mind for eternity. <laughs> uh, although if, if bands expressly ask for like, hey, we might want to print this in the future, I'll, I will keep the raw and I'll keep all that stuff. But it's always a case where you need to be communicating. But for me, I, I because of my workflow, I never, I never really go back. I, I, I kind of like to just keep going and and keep amassing and changing that that workflow. But again, I, I I have a different way of going about it, so it's not conducive of me to go back anyways. Because going back just means, oh, these are my presets. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, one thing I've really developed is is going getting weird with colors so i'll take a preset uh, or like i'll copy and paste and edit and then i'll kind of just mess with the sliders and see how it looks and just doing that enough times you you kind of get a sense for like how this photo is what range of edits you have for this photo and for this one and etc so uh i i can't really i can't really mess with presets too much because I've just phased it out of my workflow, but I do appreciate that you can get those and, and establish it because I'm, I'm buying a ton of presets for DaVinci Resolve, a lot of different transitions and overlays and effects, which is really nice because I have no patience to learn how to do any of that stuff on my, on my end, but that doesn't mean I can't make art and that doesn't mean I, I can't utilize it in my workflow. Which is, by the way, really dumb because <laughs> uh, I use my phone and I use InShot a lot to, to edit, to do edits um, with video. And a lot, of my, a lot of my GIF photos, I mean, a lot of my GIF reels are, are done with InShot, uh, just putting everything together and, and overlaying effects and transitions. So I think I'm always, go I, I'm very of the mindset of anything you do is valid. There's there's no wrong way to look at about at things, and it's all about for me. It's all about like expressing yourself and figuring out different things you can do, rather than be like, "This is the way I want to do this. This is the way I want to do that." Um, for me, that that's just never worked. I I get frustrated. I get uh, pissed because <laughs> I'm like, "Why doesn't this look good? What do I do?" And then I go on YouTube and it's like a 30 minute video. And then you're like, all right, did this work? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> did it work or not? Fuck it. Let's just, what does this slider do? Uh, oh, that looks cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's like the biggest thing in my opinion that I don't know. I'm just not a fan of is like, so there are a lot of Instagram inf inf influencers and TikTok influencers in the concert photography game who are like, if you want to get your start in concert photography, here are three steps. And I'm just thinking like, yeah. no journey is the same. No workflow is the same. Like no route is the same. And like, I do write a little bit about my journey, but I'm never, I never say here's what to do to get started. I just say, here's what I did. And if you want to make 
any conclusions on what you want might want to do based off of that you can but um yeah i just i'm just not a fan of like people assuming like there's only one way to crack an egg unfortunately it it it, it just becomes a different activity so you can be a photographer and you can post all your work online and or and you know or slash and you can be an influencer and you can optimize your work to gather views and and get instagram followers and and make sure that the stuff you put out is part of the algorithm for your page so i've had videos you know for the bands i shoot i've had videos hit hundreds of thousands of views on their page but I can't say the same for my Instagram because I hate Instagram. <laughs> I hate uh, having that, you know, thought in the back of my head that, damn, I need to post, I need to make this right now and post it or I'm going to lose relevance. And as much as I want to say that I don't care, I do care. <laughs> we should care. You know, I think, I think it's healthy to care that people are looking at your work but i think it's also really easy to conflate that number to to what you're worth it's very difficult to separate that you, you, you i don't think you always can you know as hard as you you might try um and i do i do believe that some people can definitely let it get to their head where it's like yeah i have ten thousand followers on instagram i'm hot shit um, that isn't too bad on Instagram, I guess, because it's more of like photos. So you can ignore, you can ignore discourse on Instagram pretty well. But when it comes to Twitter, man, oh my God, <laughs> Twitter discourse, or I should say X discourse, whatever. Thanks, Elon. Uh, Our hardcore photographer discourse on Twitter. Should oh we God. exist or not? I fucking hate Twitter used to be really fun for me. Because it, when I first started it, it seemed, and again, I'm not, I started very recently actually. So for the first couple of weeks, it didn't know what I was. So it would just give me like funny stuff. But then eventually it, it catches on that I'm a photographer. And so now I'm getting, is like, yeah, I got this gig, no big deal. Uh, uh, photographers, like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, uh, okay. Um, the other half is nice because it's just people being like, hey, post your photos here. And it's just people being nice to each other and complimenting each other's photos. But I, I, I've even seen it on threads where there's a lot of humble bragging starting as well. Like it hey, is. It's yeah. Thread was really nice for for like the first week as well. But it's the same thing. It, it's going to homogenize into humble brag central. <laughs> it just is. I, I you can you can be goofy. I'm not saying you can't be goofy, but a lot of posts that are disguised as goofy are humble brags. And so I'm not gonna be the ultimate like clairvoyance on Twitter. But if so much of it Yeah. 
it's funny because I, I so like I'm in like different press groups because I'm kind of a member of the press at this point, I guess, for music photography. And like I see like all sorts of new photographers being like, hey, I just bought a camera. How do I get a photo pass? And it's funny because of these influencers, everybody thinks, oh, you need to join up with a publication immediately and grab a photo pass so you can get photo passes. And that's how you can start shooting your favorite bands. But like I didn't have a single photo pass in the first year I did photography, much less in the first week. And I don't think you're associated with the publication and you're going on some big tours, are you? Oh, yeah. I I've never shot for a publication. <laughs> yeah. Never. So like people post like if you want to shoot your favorite bands and become big in this industry, you have to join a publication. But I can name like five photographers who don't shoot for publications and shoot the same bands that I do. Like it doesn't matter. You just have to go out there and shoot shows and meet people like I don't. It's just a weird thing where people, if they aren't shooting Taylor Swift within three weeks, they're like, this isn't fun for me. And that's just whack. Yeah. Well, the industry is a harsh, harsh land. And I've had my own moments where it's like make or break. I'm either going to keep doing this or I'm going to quit. Uh, Because... Again, I think this really stems back to the fact that when you first start out, you're on your own and you are coming up with everything by yourself. And so if it feels like this is what you have to do, well, let's run through it. I mean, you're a fresh photographer. You hit up a publication. The publication is like, cool, we're going to get you this pass. Uh, give us the photos and that, at the end. And so in your mind, you're going to think, oh, uh, am I getting paid for this? No, you're just like, fuck yeah, I'm going to shoot this band. Let's go. (laughs) And if it stays that way, I think that's healthy. It's like, yeah, I'm shooting all the bands I want to shoot. Great. But if you're trying to make a career out of it, there's a difference because the expectation of money is now part of the equation. So when I first started out, my, my perspective on publications is, you're not getting paid. You're just getting a photo pass. And what I've learned on the road is it's very rare that a band pays attention to your photography as someone hopping on, hopping on for one show because nine times out of 10, this band already has somebody on the road with them. So if you're hoping that the band sees your photo, that is that is the least likely thing. And I don't say that to be harsh. And I'm not saying that also because bands don't want to. It's it's just the reality of the situation. With a bigger band especially, you're going to have 10 photographers shooting that show. It's not about the photographers at that point to the band. They're busy doing their tour. Some bands don't even look at the photos. Their their management's the one that's dealing with all that stuff. So yeah. I think a I, I lot mean, of fresh people might come in to to that part of it as like, yeah, we're going to shoot this band and I'm going to get noticed. And I think that's a recipe for like tragedy, in my opinion. So I, I never did it. I, I don't know to this day. I don't know the what goes into publications. I don't know if, if you get paid or not. 
I, I, I've talked to some of my friends and they give me mixed results. Sometimes they don't. And sometimes they, I guess they do. Uh, for example, let me give you an example. Like uh, Miranda um, from Orlando, she shot Taking Back Sunday with, uh, uh, at this little you know, two-day run that they did with uh, in Jupiter and Coco. And she reached out to their page, but they were just like, hey, uh, that's awesome. Talk to our, here's, here's our management's contact. Talk to them because they're the ones that deal with it. And so the management was like, oh, cool. Um, and she was like, cool, this is my price. And the management was like, hell yeah, let's do it. So what do we learn? What do we learn? That's not a publication. That was just the band. <laughs> I really yeah, think, exactly. I really think like reaching out is the number one thing that gets results, reaching out. Because it's low, it's low effort. You can spam it all day without stressing yourself out. And it's high reward because if the band is like, hell yeah, um, they either can hire you or at the very least, they'll give you a pass and you can directly interact with whoever's in charge of, of dealing with their photos if it's not the band themselves, rather than dealing with a third-party publication who isn't really helping you out on that matter. Yeah, yeah. I, I um I completely agree with your points. I like for me, I had already kind of been doing before I joined any publications. Like, like it was kind of a thing where like, oh, I guess it'd be cool to shoot some favorite bands just for fun because you know that's yeah. like most of the reason I do this. But like, I didn't get to go on tour with Neverless or. Uh, burn absolute because i shot you know fit for a king at the orpheum it's because i i uh messaged neverless about neverfest and because i or because kyle from chasing airplanes told robbie of burn absolute about my work like it's really those connections you make on like a band person to person band to photographer level that gets you somewhere um yeah, I mean, I don't get paid for any of the publication work that I do. I mainly do it for fun, and I think that's a big thing. Like, I don't know. I um, I was talking to a photographer once, and they were just getting started, and they were like, I don't know why I'm not getting much work. And I was like, well, to start, what are you doing to market yourself? What's your rate? Well, I'm just messaging a band here and then, and I'm charging like 200 an hour. And I went, okay, you've never done a paid shoot before and you're charging $200, not just for the show, but per hour, including travel and editing. Like, oh my God. Like, that may be your first problem right there. <laughs> but, um, but, and now they just kind of do any photo pass show that comes within five hours of Florida. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, kind of a thing where i i don't know i think uh this is gonna sound kind of assholeish but like i feel like there are some misconceptions about the industry and how it works and not everybody has caught on to really the rules of the game not saying i have because i'm not really massive either but well, like you just kind of you kind of learn how things work and how bands function and this comes back to my point again and it's always going to come back to the fact that when you become 
a photographer, you are volunteering, you are volunteering yourself to an industry that almost seems like it doesn't exist. Not because there aren't a a bunch of photographers, but because there is no structure to it. There's no structure at all. You are doing it on your own, (laughs) which is scary. Uh, Yeah, $200 an hour is very nice. I would love to be paid $200 an hour. Me too. (laughs) Granted, I mean, most shows you're spending, let's say, I don't know. If you show up for the band, you're there for at most an hour. If you're showing up for the whole show just to hang out two or three hours, at the very least, and then you're editing. And so I think I think every photographer is worth a base amount. I think I think that's I feel bad when pe- I when people charge very little, although I understand yeah. I understand why, but I also think I also think you can do more. And I was I was the same way when I first started out. Um there's nothing wrong with doing free shows. There's nothing wrong with wanting to build rapport with bands. That is, there's, there's, that is always a valid reason to do a show, whether someone tells you to or not. Um, and if you're doing volume, it, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Um, if you do free shows here and there. Now, I think if you're going to do a free show, you should always be getting something out of it, even if it's not money. And that's going to be the band that you shoot wanting to hire you in the future. It could be uh, meeting other bands at a show. It could be both of those things. And it could be that you just want more work to show off. So when you do that for a publication, or let's say you, you get on a bigger show, there's two things you can get out of that usually. It's it's the the work, right? You're getting the work so that you can post. And then maybe you are building rapport with the company, the uh publication. So I don't know. I've never had that perspective because I, I just it I I didn't I never went that way. It was always I got lucky in that I got to shoot for Montgomery Drive shows for years and years and years. And I just met a bunch of bands. I really thought the way to do all this was to market yourself to bands because who else is going to listen like, or, or look at your stuff? No one, unless you are an influencer on Instagram and that's your goal, your Instagram is complementary to your word of mouth, your reputation that you build. That's why I am the gift daddy over Orlando. <laughs> Because I put that on my Instagram and I told people, hey, gift daddy. And it became a thing. But I don't have that many followers on Instagram. It's just it's just going to shows and putting in the work and putting in the time. Um, I got a bunch of shows in Tampa now because I met, I met up with Discord and I met up with Holly Glenn and, and we had a great fucking sound off and we're all fucking buddies now. Like they're like my boys. I love them. So the more you lean into this aspect of a community, the more 
you look the less you look at it as an industry and the more you look at it as just your friends doing stuff together um that is always what attracts me about the local level of photography is a lot of the, uh, the a lot of parts of it are are DIY it, it's still just people half the people here are doing it as a hobby and half the people are just doing it with this mindset that we want to just have shows it's very low key it's very positive and i think it takes a load off of your mind at least even if it's just temporarily when you feel appreciated by a bunch of homies <laughs> um yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of the same way like so the way the publications helped me the most i'd say is so I had I had done photography for like a year, right? And most of my shows had been at Ollie's Pub in Cape Coral, which you probably haven't even heard of, and um, some at the Vault in Holiday, Florida, which no longer exists, um, and then a bunch at Crowbar and Nice Guys Pizza in Cape Coral. So, like, basically, besides maybe Crowbar on some nights, like. I had no shows with decent lighting whatsoever. So like I had zero confidence in what I could do. And then I went and shot like I, I get through Neverless. I was able to shoot reggae rise up, which was huge. And then uh, the day before that I shot fit for a King at the Orpheum and I got pictures of their bassist Tuck O'Leary jumping in the air and shit. And I was like, wait, I might actually like really good at this. Because now that I have lighting and like <laughs> not like, dead people on stage, like I can actually do some yeah. cool shit. So like it's definitely a big confidence booster. But definitely sides of my photography, like ones the publication stuff I do. I'm also in artist management and booking now, um, and that kind of stuff, which is just mostly for fun and just to build a portfolio. But everything else I do is I, I don't view it as the same thing is everything else I do. Like I still shoot a ton of shows at Crowbar. I still shoot a ton of shows at like the indoor Orpheum at Ollie's uh, more, some more at Conduit and everywhere else. And that's kind of wh where I look to make my money. I'm not expecting like when I shoot Prada tonight for them to notice me and choose me over Imani Giverts. Like I know that's not going to happen. No, no, that's a show you want to shoot, and that's fucking exciting. Uh, the only time I considered shooting a publication is because... So, the starting line came through recently, and that was a band that I was like I grew up with, and I, I was like, oh my god, how do I shoot this show? But because I don't have those connections, I, I kind of... Uh, what's it called? I kind of put it off, so I never really had an easy time trying to get... A, pub, a publication pass for that so it might have been easy it might have not but the good thing about being with a publication is the access to those shows that is the number one thing that makes it worth it however that doesn't mean uh you know if you work for yourself if you have your own publication that's one thing too but i think if there is work to be done and there's a sizable company that you work for it should be something compensated however 
shooting shows like that is cool. <laughs> I, yeah. just don't, I, I just I just want to if, instill in people that you shouldn't be taken advantage of. The only person that has a say in, in it should be you, you know? And, and I, I just hate the feeling that someone gets jaded because let's say they're doing all these shoots for free and, and they don't like it. And some part of that is that they have to stand up for themselves as well and, and be confident in, in what they choose to charge and if they charge at all. Um, but having access to, to that is nice when there's a show that you want to do. And uh, for me, I was like, oh, I don't really know who to reach out to. <laughs> but I didn't take it too seriously, unfortunately. Like, I'm sure I could have found somebody to give me a pass because I didn't, I didn't have a... I didn't have another in for that show anyways, but um, it's a double-edged sword. You just got to be careful with it. But locals are the lifeblood of of this stuff. I mean, people ask me when I'm on tour, like, what are you going to do when you're back home? And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just doing what I always do. <laughs> Shoot bands. <laughs> just hanging around. Just hanging around town. Just, I mean, I do a lot of stuff when I'm back home. I... I I have like a 3D printing thing that I'm doing for bands. I I make DIY shirts um, on top of the photography. So it's nice to stay busy, but I guess there's no expectation of like being busy shooting shows when you're back home. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, uh, it's funny because the reason I thought of this, especially because even this morning, um, my friend who's also a photographer it was like, oh, I'm going to do a paid shoot someday because I want to get better at this first. And I'm like, you know you can get paid to get better, right? Like, yeah. you can get paid to shoot shows and still get better at it. Like, I'm getting paid, and I'll probably be 20 times as good a year from now as I am right now. So, like, it's just like, I don't know. I guess, like, it's very intimidating, too, because if, if I feel like with publications, you have somebody to kind of hold your hand through it all and kind of guide you to the shows. Whereas I feel like as an independent contractor or whatever you want to call it, like we do have mentors and people that guide us, but when it comes down to it, you are responsible for your end when it comes to paid work. And I think that's intimidating to, to a lot of new people. I think the hardest, the part is figuring out when to start charging and I don't know. Uh, I I did struggle with that a lot because a lot of these people are my friends and I don't want to take money from my friends. (laughs) But the truth is, if somebody, if somebody is willing to pay you for the, for your work, they already like your photography, whether you think you are competent or not, they are, they think you're competent, which should tell you like that you are competent. (laughs) But it is true that you don't know what to charge in the beginning and it might just take someone being like, Hey, charge double <laughs> to like, be like, okay, you're right. I know I've done that. Like I, I, when I first started out, I was charging like 60 bucks, 60 bucks to shoot. Granted, I wasn't doing gifts. I wasn't putting out as much work. So I do think, I do think there is some kind of baseline where if you're putting out more work, you should be paid more for that. Um, but I started off just like everyone else doing 50, 60 bucks for a gig. Uh, 
it didn't feel good. I mean, uh, I didn't need the money at that time. I was in college. I was, you know, I didn't have that many bills. Uh, but things are different now. And I think as you grow up also, I think that helps you establish your worth. I mean, if you're going to do this for a living, you already know that you need to charge. And, and you, the, the quicker you can set that expectation in your mind that this is what you get paid for, the easier it becomes to talk about it. Because uh, at the beginning, I, I know that feeling where it's like, I, I don't know if, if I should charge for this or not. And I think the more people that are like, I love this, I love that, the more you realize, oh, yeah, it's, it's okay to charge for this. And you should expect that. But that comes with the, with the expectation, again, of how much work you're putting out, or at the very least, the quality. And you should always tell the bands the amount, more or less. You know, there's, there's no way to tell how many, but you can set a ballpark number at least. I don't know. That's yeah. how I see it. <laughs> well, I actually, I, I got to take a shower and get going to where I need to be. So, um... Hopefully we got to everything we wanted to talk about. It was a good talk, but um, uh, yeah, I usually finish off asking if you could tell Gabe who picked up show photography for the first time one message, what would it be? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, don't cheap out on, on what you need. Uh, it sucks spending money on gear. But you're going to make your life 10 times more miserable when you know that you don't have what you need. And so I would say just bite the bullet on all your workflow as soon as you can. Because that leaves more time to focus on the art. And that feels good. I and completely agree. <laughs> yeah, charge, charge people more, people more yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm still working on that. Like, I... I give way too many people deals just because they're homies or whatever. I need to just tell there's people. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that either because if it feels good to help your homies out, that's all the shit you need. But it, it it's either way. It's either way. So yeah, I wouldn't feel too bad, but I get it. <laughs> that being said, there's totally a ceiling. So you can find that ceiling and then bring it back. And then that's when you know more or less. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Well, anyway, thank you for joining me today, Gabe. It was a super fun chat, and I got a feeling we'll be bringing you back soon because I, I, we we just talked about a tiny sliver of stuff, and there's a lot oh, more yeah. we can talk about. Absolutely, dude. I'm happy to do 